Hello, good morning. Good morning. This is the third week of our little mini-series leading up to Easter. And this morning we are talking about victory over Satan. And we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And church, we're living in strange times right now. And it's good for us to remember and to celebrate the victory of Jesus. And so let's, let's turn to the Word of God, Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 15. And I'll be reading uh, primarily from the New Living Translation. So if you have an app, you want to search up that translation. Colossians 2, verse 15. It says, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, let's pray together, church. Father, we praise you and we exalt you and we exalt the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Your word is a lamp that lights our feet, illuminates our life. So we ask you now by the power of your Holy Spirit to lead us, God, as we submit to Jesus, as we submit to the word. Holy Spirit, teach us, instruct us. And lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, during World War II, uh, Army recruiters recruited an interesting group of people. In addition to the normal soldiers, they also uh, recruited special effects people from Hollywood, artists, uh, recording specialists, actors even. And they recruited these special people for a, a tactical deception unit that was called the Ghost Army. And the Ghost Army had the unique mission uh, to impersonate other army units in order to deceive the enemy by causing confusion and spreading misinformation. And this Ghost Army put on a, a traveling show ahead of the advancing Allied Army throughout Europe in order to do two things. They wanted to misrepresent the actual size of the Allied Army that was on its way, and they wanted to trick the Germans as to the actual location of the Allied Army. And the assaults were brilliant. They used dozens of inflatable tanks, inflatable artillery pieces, uh, inflatable jeeps. Uh, They had massive loudspeakers that they would hide in the back of the large covered military trucks, and they would blare the sounds of marching troops and tanks uh, and vehicles movements, and they, they would blare the sounds of bridges being built. And there were fake radio transmissions that they would send trying to deceive the Germans. Uh, They'd drive the handful of actual vehicles that they had around and around through a town, changing the paintings on the front of the bumpers and having two soldiers sitting in the back and the rest of the back of the truck covered by a tarp, trying to deceive the enemy, thinking that there were hundreds and hundreds of troops moving into an area. More than 20 of these deceptions were successfully staged during the Second World War, often operating very close to enemy lines. And retreating Germans would catch wind of this, and they would dig in. Rather than joining the force to oppose the Allies, they would, they would stop where they were because they thought that they were being advanced upon. The Ghost Army kept the enemy deceived, confused, and overwhelmed. In the end, the Allies were able to construct massive bridges over the Rhine River, move hundreds of tanks, tens of thousands of troops safely, partially because they did such a good job of deceiving the enemy. Now, I tell this story this morning because I think it's significant in light of the confusing times that we're living in right now. We're in a season of tremendous change. We're in a season of hardship. 
We're in a season of great sacrifice, but we're also in a season of political division. It feels like a war right now, and it can seem like an enemy is working hard to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus and to fall into deception, to fall into confusion by tricking us to believe misrepresentations of what is actually true. Church, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And this is exactly how Satan operates. He deceives, he confuses, and he misrepresents the truth. And with all that is going on with the coronavirus right now in our culture, it's hard for us to stay encouraged, isn't it? Well, Satan is a deceiver. He's at work deceiving us. With all the fear and politicized way that we get our information, it can sometimes be hard to remember that Jesus is in control. Well, Satan is a confuser, and he's working to confuse us. With our economy right now struggling, and many of us out of work, it can seem like things are hopeless. Well, Satan operates in misrepresenting the truth. The reality of the situation is, church, Jesus is victorious. Satan is defeated. And as Christians, we live in Jesus. We, too, have victory over Satan. Mm -hmm. But we can so easily lose sight of this victory because Satan is deceptive. And he will try to deceive and confuse and misrepresent reality to us. He will use anything and anyone. He will even use other Christians as an instrument to foster this deception that he is still a powerful enemy. In reality, Satan has already been defeated. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. In Hebrews chapter 2, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Talking about how Jesus became a man. He shared in our humanity that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And he would free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. See, we are free from slavery to sin, and death has lost its sting. Sin and death are Satan's only power over people. Jesus defeated the power of sin by taking our sin to the cross and dying with our sin. Jesus then took our sin into the grave, and he left our sin in the grave when he rose from the dead. And by conquering sin, Jesus took away Satan's power. Satan is powerless if you are in Jesus. We now live in victory, Christian. See, our new lives, this new identity we have in Christ, our new family, this identity we have as a kingdom family in Christ, it all reinforces Satan's defeat. Satan has been defanged. Satan has been neutered. He's defeated and desperate, and he resorts to trickery and lying and deception. See, the only real tools Satan has is deception, distraction, and misrepresenting what is true, just like the ghost army during World War II. Satan tries to trick us. He tries to lie to us, to deceive us, to distort the truth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul gives us these strong words of encouragement. Church, I think these are words that are meant for us today, right now, March 2020. Paul says, finally, church, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. See, our battle is not against a powerful enemy. It's against a schemer. A sneaky, tricky, lying, defeated loser. See, Satan himself has no power. And so when we talk about Satan, 
like he's this strong power or like he's this big, strong influence. What we're doing is we're giving him authority and power that he doesn't actually have. And Satan will take advantage of that when we do that. And he'll use that to lie to us and intimidate us. And he'll use that to lie to people around us who might listen to our misrepresentations of him. See, the only real weapon that Satan has is the power that we give him when we believe his lies. That's not real warfare. Real warfare takes place between two undefeated foes. See, once an enemy has been defeated, once an enemy has been conquered, the war is over. Satan is a defeated foe. He is conquered. Colossians chapter 2, this is our passage today. Remember, the Apostle Paul says, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers in authority. He disarmed them. Well, who are these spiritual rulers? Well, Satan is their prince, the Bible tells us. Satan is the ruler of these rulers. And the word disarmed in the Greek that, that Paul uses here, it means to plunder or to conquer. And so what he's saying is when Jesus defeated Satan... He stripped him of everything he had. All of his power is gone. Sin is powerless. Shame is powerless. Death is powerless. Hell is not a threat to us anymore. See, Jesus conquered sin by dying as a sinless man and taking the penalty for our sin on himself. Satan now has no power to enslave you to sin. But see, Jesus didn't just conquer sin. He conquered your shame by forgiving your sin. Satan no longer has the power to shame us. Jesus took away our fear of death by rising from the grave. So we don't fear death any longer. Jesus took the threat of hell away by leaving our sin in the grave and giving us eternal life with God in the presence of God. Satan can't threaten us with separation from God. Satan has no power to imprison, enslave, or intimidate anyone who is in Jesus. That's why in our passage at the the second part of our verse, in verse 15, Colossians 2.15, it says, He shamed them them publicly by his victory over them. The Greek word here that translates publicly shaming him, it means to publicly exhibit as a specimen. I remember when I was in the seventh grade, I had to... uh, catch a bunch of insects and prepare them on a board with pins uh, and and exhibit them at school for a science project. And this project was assigned in September uh, while everything is still alive, but I procrastinated. And so right before it's due, here I am in November in New York. Everything in New York is dead by November, (laughs) except for most people. And I'm digging flies out of the windowsills and looking for dead cicadas out in the woods and things. And the lamest, worst insect collection ever. But then I had to carefully pin their wings open, and I had to pin strings pointing to different parts of their bodies to identify them. I labeled each insect, each part of the insect, brought my board with all these insects, all these pins, and everyone in my class, our our displays were put inside of this large glass counter at Suffern Junior High for the whole school to see. They were exhibited. See, these insects were dead, they were pinned open, they were exposed, they were labeled, they were identified, they were publicly displayed. That is what Jesus has done to Satan. He publicly shamed him. He's exhibited Satan as a specimen. Satan is like a dead insect collected for biology class. He's dead, he's impaled. Jesus impaled him on a cross, publicly defeated him. Church, this is important for us to to catch this picture. We must picture the devil as nailed to the cross of Jesus, put on display like an insect. And in that last part of 
Colossians 2.15, our passage today, says Jesus shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses here, uh, victory over them, is very specific. It's in reference to a first century Roman victory parade, which the Romans called a triumphant procession. And what would happen is after the Romans would defeat an enemy, they would hold a parade, this triumphant procession. And the conquered king was stripped naked and he was dragged through the streets, crowded streets that would make everybody in the region, all the defeated peoples would have to come to the triumphant procession to see the naked king dragged through the streets. But they didn't just drag him through the streets. First, they would chop his thumbs off and they would chop his big toes off. Now, it seems rather morbid and, and it is, but they had a purpose for it. The reason they chopped off his thumbs was to prove that he would never be a threat because he would never be able to hold a sword. They would chop off his toes to prove that he could never run. So there was no need to fear him. The whole of society would see this defeated king put on display. And so any rumor about this defeated foe ever challenging Rome again would be scoffed at because everyone had seen him publicly displayed as a conquered specimen. See, this victory is the victory that we have. And this is a victory that was promised all the way back in the book of Genesis, The promise came to Eve that her offspring would be given victory, that that the heel of Eve's offspring would crush the head of the serpent. It's the picture we see with young David with his foot on Goliath's head. This victory puts the victor over and above the, the defeated foe. This is what has already happened to Satan. That's what this verse is declaring today, church. King Jesus conquered Satan. See, the conquering king triumphantly displayed Satan to the world as a conquered, neutralized foe. Jesus stripped him down, pinned him on a cross, drug him around as if you'd drag him around behind a victory procession, stood with his heel on his head in victory. Satan should not terrify us. Christian, we never have to be afraid. Let's say this together. I think it's good for us to declare this out loud right in your living room with your family. Say, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. afraid. See, when we take our eyes off of King Jesus, though, when we start to forget about his victory parade, we forget Jesus' public victory over Satan. We forget that Satan is a neutralized foe. He's defeated. He's neutralized. But listen. He's still active. He's still trying to deceive us. He's not practicing social distancing right now, right? He's at work lying and deceiving and stealing and destroying. The conquered, defeated, neutralized, publicly shamed enemy is still sneaking around, and he is shameless with it. He sneaks around hiding, and he has to hide. He has to sneak because he's powerless. And how we deal with Satan, it all depends on what power we give him over us. See, his threats are false. They're powerless unless we choose to believe them. In reality, he poses the same threat to us as an inflatable tank posed to the German army during World War II. There was no threat there. It's like the blaring recordings of troops moving and tanks moving coming out of those trucks at night. There were no real tanks. There were no real weapons. There was no real power behind those threats. See, Satan is all bark and no bite. But see, a bark can be effective if we start to believe that there is a bite. 
That's why my mom's chihuahua, his name is Tiger, he can protect her car real well. You crack those windows and he's yapping his head off at anyone walking by. You're not going to stick your finger in there. You're afraid of his bite. But see, Satan doesn't have any teeth. He's been defanged by Jesus. But what happens is we start to believe his lies when we turn from what is true. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we start entertaining the lies that Satan puts in front of us. And when we start entertaining Satan's lies, we start to live in response to those lies. And once we get caught up in this web of lies, trying to respond to and react, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with that? We start to forget or we start to question maybe who Jesus is. And we forget or we question who we are in Christ. We start to forget the victory that we have, the victory that Jesus has over Satan. And this is exactly how Satan operates. Satan works to hide the glory and the power and the victory of Jesus. Satan does not want you to see the glory of Jesus in this season. He doesn't want you to know the power and the victory of Jesus in this season. Satan is working to hide the hope that you have, to hide the power that you have, to hide the victory that you have in Jesus. Thankfully, the Apostle Paul explicitly reminds us of who Jesus is and who we are. We read this last week, but church, we need to read it again this week. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Paul says, Jesus is far above all rule and authority, all power, all dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and he gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is exalted over everything. Jesus is over it all. You think coronavirus is top dog right now? Listen, Jesus is above it. You think that the struggling economy is in control? It's going to ruin your life? It's going to define who you are? Jesus is above that. See, Jesus is ruling. He's presiding over. He's exercising dominion and power over everyone and everything right now. And what does that mean? Look at verse 22. It says, all things are in subjection under his feet. Jesus is in authority. He's seated in a seat of victory. And it's like he just pulls that lever back on the side of his chair, puts his feet out, and Satan's like under his feet. Satan's deceptions are under Jesus. They aren't a threat to him. Jesus is now head over all things, exalted and ruling over all creation, all history, all future. We did this last week, but we need to do it again. Let's say this together in your family rooms. You need to declare truth. Let your neighbors hear truth being declared in your home today. Let's say Jesus is exalted over all things. Jesus is exalted over all things. That's right. Say it louder. Say it louder. Jesus is exalted over all things. So what are you worried about today? Jesus is over that. What are you fearful of this morning? Jesus is over that. What are you so angered by this morning? Listen, Jesus is over that. That's Jesus. He's resurrected from the dead and he is ruling. Jesus isn't busy at war battling Satan right now. Listen, Jesus has already defeated Satan. He's ruling over Satan. Satan's only weapon is to try and convince us that he is powerful and we are still slaves. 
But listen, our greatest weapon is Jesus. And we need to remind Satan that he has no power. We need to remind Satan that we are free and we are victorious. We need to remind Satan he was called out by Jesus. And Jesus took Satan's worst. He took the sin of the world upon himself. He draped the sin of the world on his shoulders. And then he hung on the cross. And there on that cross, sin, Satan's worst, was killed by Jesus. And that sin was then buried in a tomb with Jesus and was left in the grave by Jesus. Jesus defeated Satan's only power over humanity. Sin and death are defeated by Jesus. Sin has no power, none. And so we no longer fear death. There's no sting in death anymore. The only power that sin has in our life is the power that we let it have. Jesus put Satan in his place when he rose from the grave in victory, and he brought us with him. What is Jesus's is now ours. We're seated with Jesus in victory, free from sin. We have a new free life now in Christ. We are free from the wages or, or the penalty of sin. And so death has no sting. Jesus has set us free from sin and from Satan, and we're free to live and love and walk in freedom from victory over Satan. And because Jesus has victory over sin, because Jesus has victory over the world, because Jesus has victory over Satan and sickness and death, we get to celebrate him and rest in him, find peace in him. There's no reason for us to live in fear. We celebrate and live our lives victoriously in Jesus. And Paul says that Jesus is the head and we are the body. The head and the body, we're connected to Jesus. We're led by him. The head leads and directs the body. Jesus is victorious over Satan. Satan is defeated, and as Christians, as we live in Jesus, we have victory over Satan. And together, as God's kingdom family, we have victory over the devil. Church, the head of our family is Jesus. And Jesus is victorious. That means we don't fear viruses. We don't fear financial hardship. We don't fear political turmoil. That stuff is all under Jesus. Jesus is sovereign over all, over the natural world, over the geopolitical world. He's sovereign over pandemics. He's sovereign over the economy. We don't live in fear or doubt or uncertainty. Jesus has overcome the world. And so in this season of self-isolation, church, we self-isolate out of love. We don't self-isolate out of fear. We don't live in shame or as broken victims of our sin. Jesus has overcome sin. We live in freedom. There's a full life of freedom and promise and hope and joy. Church, let's live our lives in Jesus. Let's live our lives in victory this week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this victory that we celebrate and we proclaim and we declare and we enjoy and say, Father, we want to walk in victory this week. So church, let's let's quiet our hearts now before the Lord in your living rooms there. Let's make space in our hearts to respond to the Holy Spirit.
as we think about the victory of Jesus and the victory that we have in Jesus, let's ask the Holy Spirit now to expose Satan's lies, the deceptions, the bad misrepresentations of the truth that we believe. And we do that by confessing. So right now, even in the quietness of your own heart, confess your fear to the Lord. Confess your anxiety or your anxiousness to God. Maybe you've just been striving and getting your hustle on. Confess your striving. Confess your discouragement to God. Now that we've shined a light on the enemy's lies, let's turn from the lies and turn to Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Let us see Jesus as victorious. Church, let's declare this right in the in your own living room right now with your family. Let's fill our homes with truth. Let's say, Jesus is victorious. Come on, say it. Jesus is victorious. Yes, Jesus. Now let's receive Jesus' victory over sin. So we recognize his victory over sin, over the world, and over Satan. What are the things in your life that have power over you? Let's ask God to show us those things. And then let's declare, whether in the quietness of your own heart or you want to say them out loud, let's declare whatever that thing is that has no power in my life. Fear has no power in my life. Say it, whatever it is that's going on in your heart. Anxiety has no power in my life. Stress, fear of the unknown. Anger has no power in my life. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for his victory over the things in this world that otherwise rule us when we live apart from you. This week, Lord, we say, we want to walk in victory. Holy Spirit, focus our hearts, focus our minds, set our eyes upon Jesus.